Yep. Oh, hello. <sighs> oh my god. Can we just go back to bed? <laughs> god, I wish. I, I'm like, I'm not feeling very awake. I kind of have a headache, which I took something for, but it's mm. not. I mean, it's still kind of there. Yeah. I don't know what today. We stayed up late. That's what it is. Yeah. We stayed up kind of late. But there's also like, I guess, just a weird energy to like a gloomy, rainy day. And it's definitely carrying. I don't like gloomy days. I don't. Normally I like rain. I, do. I like rain. I don't like the gloominess. Yeah. I, I typically really like it. But yeah. something is off today and I can't place it. Yeah, I don't know. We are back for our 101st episode. Yes. On the road to 200. Yeah. That sounds so 99 daunting 99 more to go. Doesn't that sound like really daunting? Yeah. Like I know we already did it once. The trick is to forget about it. Yeah. Until Just we're like five it. episodes till 200 and scrambling to figure out what to do for number 200. Right. That's uh, That makes sense. Um, it's, uh, gosh, okay, it's Sunday afternoon. Yeah. We're doing the Sunday afternoon podcast thing, which is mm -hmm. nice. Um, yeah. Has anything happened in our lives that is worth talking about? Yeah. So yesterday we we started a new role playing game. Yeah. Uh, with friend of the podcast Kirsten, mm -hmm. as acting as what they call the keeper because it's monster of the week. Yeah. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's a tabletop role playing game, kind of along the lines of like your monster of the week TV shows, like supernatural or buffy the vampire slayer and it was made in part so people who wanted to do things like play buffy with their friends could very easily make characters that resemble characters from those shows mm -hmm. but you don't have to do that you can make whatever character you want yeah um your character it your character doesn't really resemble him but the character type is what Mulder would be yeah right from x-files um, Basically, all these archetypes <laughs> from shows like that are available characters that you can play and, you know, build a character around. And it's a lot of fun. It was really fun last night. Yeah, I had a really good time. My my character is a retiree. I'm an older woman named Alma. Mm -hmm. I liked, <laughs> I I basically attend the college in which our campaign is set. Uh, I have lots of spare time, so I take lots of classes like advanced organic chemistry, mm -hmm. um, among other things. I've also taken competitive dodgeball 101. Um, <laughs> Not typically something you imagine in a little, a little right. old lady doing. I kind of run the gamut. And then uh, also offer everyone butterscotch all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which actually came in handy in last night's game. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, it, it's very interesting. It's a little less math than regular, than like, not regular, but like D&D, &D, mm -hmm. which is one that a lot of people are used to. Dice rolls are way simpler. <clears throat> Easier um, dice rolls. And, um, I, I just like the way, like the moves that you use. Mm -hmm. I, I like them. They're interesting. Like basically depending on how good you roll, um, your success determines, like, if you're trying to investigate something, like, how many questions you get to ask and, and get answered by the keeper. Yeah. Um, sometimes if you're trying to do something and you don't rule very well, you might accomplish what you were trying to do, but you might get, like, 
a side effect kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, you did what you wanted, but it drew attention to you or, you know, something like that. Yeah, it's cool. It's so, just stuff that injects further drama into the story and keeps things moving in interesting <laughs> directions. And it's a little bit collaborative because sometimes you get to choose mm-hmm. what you want the like bad thing to, or like what kind of bad thing you want to happen. Yeah. So it's really cool. And it's, For the keeper, I feel like it's a little bit more doing things on the fly, which Mm -hmm. some people running games not it might not be their thing. But Kirsten's really good at doing that. Yeah, she's Um, she's just like very prepared when it comes to that. Like she has a lot of stuff in the pipeline and has ideas for where we can. Well, I I know last night we threw her. Through some loops because we went like three different directions we weren't supposed to go. Right. But, you know, but you do what you got to do. It's storytelling. You know, yeah. like if the party wants to go off and do a useless thing, they, <laughs> they could do that. Yep. And they might be discouraged from doing that or encouraged to do that, but it's their choice. And today, after recording this, later in the afternoon, we're going to play... Uh, Another game of dialect. Oh, yeah. With oh. a different group. Oh, no. Oh, no. I forgot to the turn off the furnace. Hold the on. The furnace is on. That's better. Yeah, so today we're going to also play di- another game of dialect with mm-hmm. a different group, including uh, Kirsten. Yeah. And more friends of the podcast, Laura and TJ. And yeah. yourself and me. So. Which will be fun. It'll be lots of fun. Dialect is sweet. I don't know if we actually talked about mm-hmm. it on this show. I don't know. It, it's a game I started running. It's pretty new, actually. Um, but Roll20 supports it. It's like $10 to buy the roll, the thing for Roll20 for it. And you bought me the hard copy game. But they, I know they're going to start printing it at the end of this month. So mm-hmm. I haven't gotten it yet. But it's a gorgeous looking game. Yeah. But the premise is essentially... Um, The people playing, you are in a community that is isolated and in decline. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of an examination of like language and how that changes and and disappears basically as a community fades away. But the really cool thing about it is that there's like there's no dice rolling. There's no math. Mm -hmm. It's all. The entire campaign, there's no real planning ahead aside from like some, you could choose one of the pre-made backdrops or come up with a backdrop, but there's not very much planning to it. It's mostly like prompts that you use because all of the world building happens collaboratively in game, Mm -hmm. which if you're a storyteller or, you know, you just like stories and fantasy and stuff like that, it. It's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. to work with other people to come up with all that. Our first game went really well. We had a really good time. I'm hoping this one I can move along a little faster because we're familiar with it. Yeah, but the thing is, not everyone is familiar, so it will probably go along at about the same rate. Yeah, but I'm the one running it, and I'm familiar with it, so Mm -hmm. I maybe have a little more idea of when to push things in a different direction or whatnot. But I I, th- I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, this campaign is werewolf-based. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that'll be exciting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I look forward to that. Uh, also should mention I'm smacking Leroy. <laughs> why are you, you sm- smacking the dog? <laughs> I don't know. He likes it. <laughs> <laughs> I was patting his butt. We have a little Leroy down here with us because we tried to 
scoop him upstairs, and I think he jumped the gate. So. Oh, he definitely did. Because it didn't fall down. And <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he couldn't sneak around it. So I think he had to leap over it. And I heard him, like, his nails going all over the kitchen floor, I think. so. Yeah. And he, he saw you walk over it. And then I saw a look in his eye. I'm like, don't you do it. <laughs> and then we came downstairs and he did it. He jumped the gate. I'm hoping we capture some of his piggy noises on Mike. Yeah, he's very piggy. He's been very grunty today. Mm-hmm. Um, he also woke me up by snoring. He snores a lot. He woke me up by snoring, and it was so loud mm-hmm. that I did not think it could possibly be coming from this dog. I mm-hmm. thought it was Dave, mm-hmm. and Dave doesn't snore. He uses your sleep mask. Yeah, well, when I have a my sleep apnea machine on, I do not snore. Yeah, so I was like, okay, maybe his mask came off or it got shut off. Sometimes something weird happens in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. He must be snoring. And then, like, I woke him, I woke you up. Yeah. And realized it's not you. (laughs) And then we proceeded to try to wake Leroy up to, like, get him to stop snoring. You tried to move him into a different position where he wouldn't snore. Just, like, lolling his little head around and it didn't stop. No luck. I kept thinking if I, like, positioned his head straight, then he would stop snoring. No, he just kept snoring. Just rolling his little doughy head around and he's going... Yeah, it didn't help. He stayed asleep. He stayed snoring. I eventually fell back asleep anyway. Mm -hmm. And then he woke me up at 830 in the morning so he could sniff around outside and not go to the bathroom. In short, it's been great. (laughs) But I do. I love this little dude. Yeah. Uh, He's endlessly entertaining. I'm glad we got him at the beginning of all this. Yeah. Before we could spend time with him. The world went into lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. We got him just in time. Yeah, he's he's a good little boy. He's our problem child, but yeah, he is one hundred percent boy. <laughs> yeah, we love him. Yeah, um, um, I don't think. Oh, I wanted to mention one more thing, which is we started to watch something on Netflix, which I think is worth suggesting to people because the first episode we watched was really good. Yeah, it's Middle Ditch and uh, Schwartz. Yeah, and for people who don't know what that is, it is. Long form improv done by, I don't yeah, remember the Thomas Middleditch and uh, Ben Schwartz. So you yeah. would recognize them as Richard Hendricks from Silicon Valley and uh, John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, and you don't see a lot of long form improv. You don't see a lot of live long form improv recorded <laughs> for a show. <laughs> you usually don't see someone like Netflix throw a bunch of money at improv. I, <laughs> I think it's just too high a risk for them. Yeah. You know, like if the show is just okay. Right. Then it's just okay. We watched the first episode and it was so good. It yeah. was so, so good. I mean, there were points where you had walked away to go into the kitchen for something and I was laughing so hard. I was screeching yeah. and I couldn't breathe. Yeah. Like it it was fantastic. It was stupid and ridiculous. And the cool thing that they did that I wasn't expecting was like, they would like have a character they came up with and they'd mm-hmm. be role playing and then they like move on to someone else and then they would need to go back to that character, but they would switch places. So the other person would be playing that character. And it was just like so funny. Yeah, like, just like a lot. You don't see that a, a ton in improv is people picking up on each other's characters. Yeah, it it was uh, clearly they've been doing this a lot mm-hmm. and they have a good relationship with each other. They just like play off of each other really well. And if you like stuff like that at all, 
I suggest that you watch it because it's really, really good improv. And yeah, it's like just even, hilarious. Even for good improv, it's like particularly good. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how many people would ever say like, I'm good at improv because it's a, a thing that's like real difficult and you wouldn't even want to jinx it even if you did think you were good at it. But those two guys are good at improv. Yeah. They're real good at it. Yeah, they are. They're uniquely funny. They also like they they do the thing that most improv people do, which is like kind of take prompts from the audience. But they start out having a conversation to try to get some material. And the conversation they had at the beginning of that episode was just like so mm. like hilarious within itself. Well, like when you get particularly good material from the crowd to work with, that's like a it great, makes it that much that's better. That's a great start, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, I just wanted to suggest that because I really enjoyed the first episode of it. I, I want to watch more, but I made a stop because I didn't want to waste it. <laughs> I didn't want to watch it all in one night and then be disappointed it was over. Yeah, right. God, I hope they keep making that. I don't know. They, they could. I do too. There's only, it's a season, but it's three episodes. Yeah, three hour it. long episodes. So that's a, that's all I got, but I kind of feel like playing a game. I think it's time to play a game. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a classic game. A classic game. Maybe a game everyone an, knows. Maybe an internet game? Maybe a really, really poorly named game <clears throat> that is going to get another hundred episodes. You know what? I think I have just the game. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's a little game called Truzen News. All right. You mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me. It's time for Truzen Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing a famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. A Merv Griffin production. <laughs> well, let's do it then. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready for this. Do you need me to explain the rules? <laughs> You know what? Why don't you do it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, Truzen News is a game, a fun little game, an internet game, where I will give you two false stories, one true story, the truth and the news, and you have to pick which is which. Ah, uh, yes. Like that classic game, two lies and a truth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is not what that is. Anyway, yes. No. Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. I did a little themey. <laughs> Because all of the news is about COVID-19. Oh, fuck. So this is also because if I picked the the thing I wanted to pick, mm -hmm. but I didn't make everything else COVID-19 related, it'd be too easy. So. What? Yes. Okay. In unexpected turn, conspiracy theorist Alex Jones sides with science and begs followers to heed COVID-19 quarantine guidelines. That is a really tough one to start with. <laughs> okay. Number oh, two. boy. Chicago's hipster staple Lula Cafe has turned to takeout and features a limited pandemic-themed menu including Covitelli, Coronales, and Quarantinis to go. You have got to be kidding me. <laughs> Number three. Okay. Eminem donates mom's spaghetti to Henry Ford Hospital workers. <laughs> do you need the recap? Yeah, I do. All right. Wow, that's funny. 
Number one, an unexpected turn. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones sides with science and begs followers to heed COVID-19 quarantine guidelines. God, that's just bad shit enough to be true. Number two, Chicago's hipster staple Lula Cafe has turned to takeout and features a limited pandemic-themed menu, including COVID tellies, coronolis, and quarantinis to go. <laughs> okay. And three, Eminem donates mom's spaghetti to Henry Ford hospital workers. <laughs> I love this idea so much. I feel like you had to write that one because it's too funny. The the idea of Eminem's mom's spaghetti. Is his mom making spaghetti? What's going on there? <laughs> is it like his mom's recipe, or is mom's he making spaghetti? His, is he making his mom make spaghetti? <laughs> I like to think she's just like slaving in the kitchen, yeah, right. making all this spaghetti. Eminem's mom, don't I donate my mom's time? <laughs> yeah, I'll drop it off, but she's doing all the work. Right. Um. God, I do not believe that it's Alex Jones. I just don't. Okay. It's the thing that I would like to believe, but I just can't see him not using this as an opportunity. To do what he's done his whole career. Yeah. And claim that shit is bullshit. Um, I feel like it's got to be the second one. The, men- the, the menu thing. Even though that's like kind of like a bleak thing to do. I feel like that's something someone would do. Is theme a menu around COVID. So you think it's number two? <sighs> you look too excited about it, but yes. <laughs> I don't look like anything. <laughs> you got a smile on your face like, so number two, right? Oh, I, I just have coffee. <laughs> but I did get them. I did. Gotcha. Good. God damn it. Ooh, that resonance. I was trying I was trying to counteract the bleakness of that by specifying that it's a hipster yeah. establishment because they're the only people that would do that. You bullshitter. And, uh, but a lot of things about that is true. Uh Lula Cafe is a hipster staple cafe in Chicago. Sure. That's a real place. I but they are that. not they are not, as far as I know, doing any pandemic thing things. They I like thing to themes, theme things. Oh god. I really think that the quarantini is a <laughs> brilliant invention. I've heard other people say quarantini oh. and I, I I didn't come up with that one, but I, I liked though. it. I came up with COVID tellies. <laughs> That's <laughs> and then really clever. Coronolis. <laughs> I was like, I got to keep it going. I came up with Covitelli's and I was like, I need to use that. Yeah. So that's why I wrote that one. That's pretty good. Do you want a second guess? Yeah. Think please, you know what the real one please is? T- please tell me that it's Alex Jones. I want that to be true. Yeah, I didn't think so. No. Eminem donates mom's spaghetti to Henry Ford hospital workers. Okay, what the fuck is happening there? I, I doubt his mom is actually making it. I'm sure he got someone to make it. Sure. but. It's in containers with a little sticker that says Mom's Spaghetti. And he has, like, cards and stuff that say, like, Eminem, like, like donating this stuff. And he brought it to the hospital in Michigan and donated a bunch of spaghetti for the workers who were working their butts off. That's really nice. Because he's from Michigan. Yeah. That's really nice. Uh, and, and, And that's super cool of him. I did not believe Mom's Spaghetti. I just didn't think he'd do it. I like it because it shows a sense of humor yeah. that you don't always expect. Well, you certainly would expect a sense of humor out of Eminem. I mean, you would, but like sometimes you, 
I don't always expect celebrities to like poke fun at themselves. Sure. Like even though you know he's funny and he kind of does in his songs, mm-hmm. you don't always know outside of his music. Right. How much of that is a real sense of humor and how much is like fabricated painstakingly. <laughs> you just don't know about people unless you meet yeah. them or they do stuff like this. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm going to go ahead and go on record and say that people that come out of Detroit are way more real than anyone yeah, else. It, it's it's one of those places where yeah. like you might develop a sense of humor because bad shit happens and you got to like deal like, with it. And, like fucking Youngstown. Exactly. <laughs> Detroit and Youngstown share a lot of yeah, we're not, features we're not that, that way. Um, it, it was the article is from Fox to Detroit. It mm. is. The title is Eminem Donates Mom's Spaghetti to Henry Ford Hospital Workers. I love it. And it says Eminem has given back to the city that raised him several times in his lifetime, but now he's given to the men and women working the front lines on the fight against COVID-19 by giving employees at Henry Ford Health System some mom's spaghetti. (laughs) On Tuesday, Eminem dropped off cups of spaghetti to the workers at Henry Ford Hospital. Which location within the Henry Ford Health System received the donation isn't known. Uh, But the hospital's Instagram page posted a picture of Mom's Spaghetti and thanking Eminem for the donation. They said, our hashtag healthcare heroes lost themselves in the delicious Mom's Spaghetti donated (laughs) by Detroit's very own Eminem. Thanks for providing a special meal for our team members. Um, You can see the containers here. (laughs) Nice. They're like the typical clear, like kind of pint. It's like the container you would get a bunch of egg drop soup in. Yeah, um, there's a sticker that says mom and it has a fork through the, it's like a heart and it has a fork through it. Yeah. And the other side says, thank you, frontline caregivers. And at the bottom, it says shady something, which is I'm sure, sure some shady, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the container, the stickers even look really nice. <laughs> you put effort into this. Yeah. Um, the thing that people are not thinking about here is that in in the song. Mom's spaghetti was puke on his sweater. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone in the comments did say, I, I hope he didn't just like scoop it off a sweater. <laughs> Sorry. Here's a bunch of spaghetti puke. Please uh, accept this as a token of my thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's but I, I thought that was cool and I wanted to use it, but I felt like it was uh, COVID centric and it might be easy for you to guess mm. if the other things weren't covid centric because that, there's so much covid news that might be true that might not i wonder what would have happened i yeah. guess we'll never well, know i didn't give you a chance right. i gave you well quarantinis yeah you you busted me and alex jones going straight <sighs> that piece of shit yeah it'll never happen but uh, a girl can dream <laughs> right uh okay well that's great so with that why don't we take a break i think this is going to be a short episode I hope that's all right with everybody. We're just we're tired. <laughs> but yeah, we have a, a main segment coming up here. So why don't we take a break and we will come back with that main segment for this episode. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get more coffee. I'm going to get all jacked up with this thing. <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> And 
We're back. Look out, little Lee Ringus. Look out. That was my chair, by the way. It sounds like him going. <laughs> uh, all right, we're back. It's main segment time. This is not going to be a long episode. That's okay. I feel a little bad about it because. They oh, don't all have to be long episodes. Well, okay. So the thing is, part of the premise of this show. I just made a real weird throat sound. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'll make sure to isolate that and amplify it later. Okay. Um, the, the premise of this show is that we do deep dives on stuff or like research stuff and come back with, you know, new information or at least like, you know, the information maybe not everyone knows about. There is no such way to attack this topic. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's just like a thing we don't know about that we'd like to know about. Right. And actually, I think a lot of people probably already know about this, <clears throat> but I didn't. Yeah. Um, this is a local story that I probably should have known about. I forget how I heard about it. I feel like I was talking to someone and they mentioned it and I went, I had never heard of that. Yeah. And I wrote it down on our list and proceeded no further because <laughs> I wanted right. to save it. So. So this episode is about. Ten cent beer night uh, at Cleveland Indians uh, Cleveland Stadium in uh, 1974. Um, I it's I imagine a lot of people from around here probably know this one, but those who don't will be kind of amazed. I think. Um, so let me start with a depressing fact, which was in 1974, a beer at Cleveland Stadium used to co- to cost 65 cents a beer. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine a 65 cent beer like, you know, where today you would pay 10, maybe, I don't know what, eight to 12 bucks, <clears throat> depending yeah. on where you are for a beer at a stadium. Um, a, a beer is so much more expensive now, which is half the reason I never drink beer when I'm at an event, because right. it's like prohibitively expensive to me. That's why you bring your flask. Yeah, right. Yeah, sneaking in. Um, but uh, they used to run big promotions on cheap beer at stadiums to draw people into the stadium for games. We know this sport is boring. Come here and get drunk. Oh boy, don't get me started on baseball. I know people <laughs> like it, but holy hell. I know, I know, <laughs> I know I'm wrong to I, not like baseball. I'm, I know I'm wrong. I'm I know con- so many people love it. I'm not convinced I'm wrong. I don't like baseball. Yeah. I will go, like, the thing is, any sport is fun if you're watching it live. Except I still don't understand how people enjoy NASCAR live. Some people just like circles. Uh, I don't know. Like the NASCAR games that Ben and Chris are playing right now, mm-hmm. that seems fun as hell. Yeah. Because it would be a lot of fun to drive in NASCAR. Right. But I don't get sitting there. <clears throat> well, it's the thing that people like about NASCAR is that it can go horribly wrong really easily. <laughs> Maybe that is. That's part of it, right? I think that's definitely part of it. I've watched like some, I've never gone and seen NASCAR, obviously, but I've seen like some races, yeah. like local stuff, but it it's not bad, actually. It's kind of fun. And it's also anything live is more fun because there's like crazy people all around you and there's beer and there's yeah. food. People and- are cheering. It's like a religious experience. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess yeah. there's something to that. But uh, anyway, uh, so. You know, uh, they like I said, they used to run these promotions all the time. And m- more than once, the city of Cleveland has lost its damn mind <laughs> at its sporting arenas. So uh, that's sort of the, the backdrop to this. Uh, I, I, I started by saying uh, that uh, Cleveland's reputation is earned for being crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mentioned this to you last night, Bottlegate, which probably a lot of people know about. 
mm-hmm. which was in 2001 when angry fans threw so many glass bottles onto the field of the Cleveland Browns stadium that they don't serve beer and glass there anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like the end of glass bottles. Um, but this story happens before that by a lot. This is uh, the 10 cent beer night of June 4th, 1974. And how a heroically drunk Cleveland crowd cost their team the game. I like the phrase heroically drunk. They really like unbelievably drunk, Um, (laughs) which I'll get into this. But of course they did. Of course they did. It's 10 cents. This was not a good. This was not a good idea. Um, But it wasn't new either. Like there had been beer promotions like this in the years past. Um. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's this there's little piggy noises. Um, the what was new at the time was that this promotion followed a like a nasty game between the same teams a week before. Oh, okay, so the rivalry was strong. There was the heat was built up and it was fresh. You know what I mean? Uh, so this is between the Cleveland Indians and the uh, Rangers, Texas Rangers, right? Texas Rangers. So the 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 week before this, a nasty game uh, had had uh, been played in which, you know, people got injured, people sliding real hard into each other, hitting each other, uh, a big on field <laughs> fight between both benches. Like, Jeez. yeah, like one of those things where everyone jumps out of the dugouts and they're all like, you know. <laughs> Like that stuff happens in baseball, but it's not as common as other sports for like it fights feels, to break out. It feels theatrical when it happens in baseball. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, because they're so separated. Yeah. Like it's one team in the outfield, one team batting. Yeah. The, the team batting passes the ones in the outfield when they run the bases, but it's not like they're, they're it's hockey where they're all on the all ice the together or yeah. it's football where they're all there, you know? Yeah. And it's not exactly a contact sport. There's incidental contact, but it's not like it's not meant to be a contact sport, right. but sometimes it happens. Um, but anyway, so a big fight on the field happened. Uh, fans chucked food and beer at the Indians players because this is happening in Texas. Remember? Um, okay. So they almost they, they had to be restrained. The Indians had to be restrained from getting up into the stands and fighting the fans. Oh, jeez. Um, so this was the first game of the. Yes, this the is the two. one that teed this thing up. OK, um, you you might remember there's a there's video of a hockey uh, game in the 70s in which Mike Milbury uh, of the Bruins goes out into the crowd and beats a guy with his own shoe. I don't remember this. <laughs> um, I feel like I've probably seen a video. I just don't recall. Yeah, like Boston like stormed the crowd and like, it, well, anyway, the point is this stuff happens sometimes. Yeah, not often. I feel like it doesn't happen in baseball that often. Baseball can get contentious, but you know, is he doing something? What's going on? I'm I'm getting him to sit in his podcast chair. <sighs> I need you with me on this one. <laughs> I'm with you on this one. I just also need a dog in his chair. Yeah, it's well, it's it's a cute adorable. Chair. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, it was a pretty gnarly and heated game. It ended up being three nothing in favor of the Rangers. So the Indians go out there, get all this guff, get defeated and almost have a fight with the fans. So they, you know, obviously Cleveland like is pissed off. Mm. A very fierce rivalry has been stoked, like a grudge has been stoked. Um, the exchanges after the game, you know, uh, I can't remember who it was, but one of the players said 
something like, you know, are you worried that he was asked, are you worried about them retaliating? You know, when you guys are in Cleveland next week and he said, I'm not worried about it. I don't think enough fans will show up. I don't think they'll have enough fans in Cleveland to do anything. Okay. So like shots fired, mm-hmm. like it was over already and they were still talking shit. <clears throat> yeah. So that, that's another thing that got people real ginned up. Right. Um, and of course, sports radio is doing its thing and like getting people all amped up and the fans were just ready for it. Um, the Cleveland Plain Dealer ran a cartoon with the picture of Chief Wahoo in boxing gloves and the caption, be ready for anything. Oh, jeez. Which I think is really irresponsible in, in retrospect, right? I mean, like basically encouraging fistfights. Yeah. And and it's not just like that's that's to the <laughs> whole city of Cleveland. Yeah. Like. Be ready for anything. Be ready to fight. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, 10 cent beers. <sighs> yeah, the thing is that, yes, it, it, it's a perfect al- storm. Already amped up, and then access to alcohol was made even easier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and it was made worse by the fact that so many people attended. Um, it's basically, it, it, you, they knew it was going to be ugly when... When they expected around like 10,000 to 12,000 people and they got 25,000 people. Oh, no. <laughs> right? So like double what they expected. Um, here's how the promotion worked. Here's how the 10 cent beer night worked. You could get up to six beers per purchase for 10 cents each. So 60, 60 cents, cents for, for a six, six pack. That's OK. I did the math on inflation because I wanted to like figure out exactly how cheap this beer was. Mm-hmm. So 60 cents in 1974 is like three bucks today. Okay, so already it'd be like going to a game and getting a $3 beer, which would be pretty reasonable. Well, no, no, no. 60 cents is three bucks. A six pack. Yeah, I'm costs- saying you said like normally at the games it would be a oh. $3 beer. Oh, um, yeah, so the typical price for a beer was 60 cents, but... Yeah, but cut, I'm talking about the price for a six, not the price for one. But I see what you're I, saying. Yeah, I'm Sorry. I'm saying as a starting point, <laughs> right? Even if it was the sixty cents, it right. would be like going to a game and getting a beer for three dollars. Right. But this, then with the special, right? It's like going to a game and getting a six pack for three dollars. Okay. Yes. Sorry. I I'm got, with I got you. Confused. I'm with you. So the 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 way to think about that analogy too is like if it's like eight dollars for a Bud Light at the <laughs> stadium. Now imagine you go and you spend eight bucks and you get a whole six pack to take back to your seat. Yeah. Uh. So, I mean, that's not stadium prices. That's like well below stadium prices, and it's mm-hmm. it's not even grocery store prices. Because here's the other thing: in 1974, a six pack of beer is two dollars and eleven cents like in 1974 money yeah two dollars and eleven cents so you could drink beer cheaper in that stadium than you could if you went to the grocery store (laughs) i think boy i sure hope i did my math right (laughs) well 10 or 60 cents for yeah for six beers is way Better is, yeah, yeah than $2.10. I went back and looked to see what a six-pack cost in 1974, and I got yeah. the figure $2.11 on average. Yeah. So, like, this is an insanely stupidly priced beer deal <laughs> for that's a city a, that really insane. likes beer anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and here's the other thing. <laughs> you could go back for as many purchases as you wanted. It was six at a time, top. Six but at a time. You could go back and get more. Yeah, there was no limit on how many times you could claim that thing. Oh, it'd be hard to enforce that. 
well, you know, put a stamp on people or something. You know, you, yeah, you, there's, true. There's things true. you can do. They didn't. Um, so um, basically, yeah, Cleveland took advantage of this deal hard. Um, the the crowd got on really, really fast. Um, and the Rangers really quickly took a five to one lead. Mm-hmm. So the crowd was additionally pissed off. Um, apparently when, uh, Cleveland's Leron Lee shot a line drive into the Rangers pitcher's stomach, he doubled over and fell down and the crowd started cheering, hit him again. Oh, no. <laughs> like not even not like zero class. If you ask me to oh, say yeah. hit him again, but I don't know. That's it's the, Cleveland. Right. <laughs> It's Cleveland sports for you. Uh, lots of insane interruptions happened during this game. Um, uh, a woman ran out into the field and flashed everyone. Uh, <laughs> like a, you do. A dude streaked naked to second base. Like you do. Uh, a father and son mooned the bleachers out in the outfield. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> I, I wrote, there's a higher than average amount of nudity in this game. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, there's... <laughs> A higher than average amount of drunkenness at this game, too, though. Well, yeah. And lots more people charge the field. That's not all the people that ran out on the field. That's just some noteworthy examples. <laughs> That's just the ones where they were nude in some way. <laughs> um, the first baseman got hit with hot dogs and spit, and then Aww. someone threw a glass bottle at him. Oh, no. Like, you know those fortified wines that come in a glass little flask-looking bottle? Yeah. Yeah, someone chucked one of those at him. <laughs> um, like an MD-2020 bottle? Yeah, something like that. Whatever... Yeah, my yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the uh, the Rangers pitcher got spiked with a runner's cleats, uh, and uh, I think it was a run to third. Um, and the so what happened was the uh, the I want to say it's the yeah. So anyway, the 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 refs had ruled that uh, the runner had to be you know ejected out of the game or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was forced to leave the game. And so fans got really, really mad because uh, that's a, you know, a disappointing call when you're down five to one. Yeah. You know, uh, and you managed to get a guy to third and they threw a bunch of stuff on the field again. So like They're, they got to be running out of things to throw at this. Point. You would think, but they're getting angrier and angrier and they're, they're like chucking things onto the field. Um, someone threw lit firecrackers into the Rangers bullpen. Oh, no. <laughs> right? Oh, Which, Cleveland. Like. That's so amazing to me. Someone brought firecrackers. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna... Also, the forethought. Yeah. <laughs> the right. forethought. Someone prepared by bringing a bunch of firecrackers. <laughs> oh. Way to go, Cleveland. That person doesn't even have the excuse of I was drunk because they had to premeditate firecrackers. Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. Bottom of the ninth, the Indians actually tie the game up, which means mm. this awful, ugly game is now going to go into extra innings. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, what is the worst, most unruly night in Cleveland Stadium is now about to go extra innings. Even longer. Um, or at least that's what it looks like is going to happen. That's not what ultimately happens. Um, so a Cleveland fan runs out into the, the, the outfield to try and steal an outfielder's hat. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted a souvenir. Yeah, he wanted to take his hat. So... In doing that, the outfielder, his name is Jeff Burroughs. He's like trying to avoid the guy. He trips and he falls over in the process. But the rest of the Rangers think that he's been attacked because he falls down. Mm. So they're pissed. Oh, no. This is where the thing tips over into like, you can't come back from this. Yeah. They all 
come out of the dugout with bats and shit, oh, shit. and go out after this guy, the fan. Oh, no. And the Cleveland fans see this, and they decide to run out into the outfield as well. Oh, no. So now we have the makings of an actual riot. Yeah. Um, fans, <laughs> they had... They had Weapons like uh, blunt objects, chains, knives and like stuff that they had ripped the stadium seats apart. Like they they pulled the seats apart to make things to go out and beat people. Oh, with. Shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> there there's there's 25 Rangers on the field, right? Mm-hmm. About 200 fans have now surrounded them. Oh, no. With like like improvised weapons. Um, and so the there's more people on the way. Uh, it's not it's 200 and counting. And obviously everyone's very angry. It's a total mob. And Cleveland's manager orders his players to go out also with bats <laughs> and defend the Rangers from the fans. Oh, no, because they are fear- now they're fearing for their safety. Like, right. Like, like it's like this is too much. Right. Their fans have shivs and they're real drunk. Yeah. <laughs> like going for it. So now Cleveland is oh my beating God. their own fans with bats. <laughs> This shouldn't be funny. It's not funny, but it's like so Cleveland. It really is. I mean, like, it's the unruliest thing I've ever heard, uh, at least <clears throat> out of a baseball game. I mean, like, yeah. obviously, you know, riots happen, but baseball I, games don't typically turn into this. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, yeah, the fight rages on. Fans are throwing folding chairs. They're hitting their own players in the process and their their own players are hitting them, you know, Um. The teams managed to make their way off the field through their respective dugouts and lock themselves in their clubhouses. Oh, so now it's just the unruly fans and the people that work at the stadium and eventually the police. Right. Yeah. Um, the Cleveland fans. God, they they threw everything that wasn't bolted down onto the field. Mm. They literally stole the bases. <laughs> they pulled the bases up out of the dirt and walked away with them. <laughs> um, the this is all radio called live because obviously it's a it's a game. It already has you know yeah. they were already radio calling it. So that's how we know that this went for about twenty minutes. Is that for the next twenty minutes they're you know the the stadium is completely breaking I just, down. I just want to be clear. I don't think like vandalism and rioting is like funny, but it's just like <laughs> the absurdity. <laughs> Of it, that's funny. There's something about being from here and that happening in Cleveland and just being like, of it's one of those, like, did. yeah, it's one of those, like, eye roll, like, ugh, typical, mm. like, why do you gotta embarrass us? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when Cle- was this again? This is in the 70s, it wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it was not that long ago, 1974. It was, uh, just unbelievably bad series of events all adding up to this. Um, So the stadium is completely broken down. Security can't get a handle on anything. Um, The, if I remember correctly, the Cleveland's manager is blaming the whole thing on the, the chief umpire. Like he didn't get control of the game, but I don't think (laughs) it's really hard to do that. I don't think it's really his fault that like, a call that the fans didn't like resulted in like glass and weapons. And like, I don't think right. it's really his fault. And that a fan came down and tried <clears throat> to steal a hat. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like he could not have had control of all of those extra things. Right. Um, 
So it's really kind of shitty of Cleveland's manager to be like, I don't know, it wasn't anything we did. Well, he didn't want to get blamed himself, so. Because everyone was like, no, this is this is because of beer, guys. Like, this is yeah. because of lots of really cheap beer. And it, it's because of uh, reporting beforehand that, like, got everyone amped up already. Uh-huh. And then alcohol. <laughs> a lot of it. A lot of access to really cheap alcohol. So basically, the police eventually show up. They do things like deploy tear gas and oh no. and force, and they arrest some people, and they turn off the stadium lights to try and like you know, disperse the crowd and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, nine people get arrested, but I mean, there's hundreds of people hundreds. that were on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and basically, just prior to all this, the umpire seeing that the the umpire chief, you know, uh, basically looked around, and says, "There's no way that this can continue to be a game," and calls it a forfeit to Texas, despite no. the fact that the score was tied five five. And if Cleveland had held out, maybe they, they would have even have won. won. They tied the game. <laughs> like, against all the, odds. It took and until the, the end of the ninth inning, but they did it. Against all odds and like calls that they didn't like, they yeah. tie the game and then it falls apart. It's really, it's so Cleveland. <clears throat> it's so fantastically Cleveland. Self-sabotaging since yeah. Cleveland was a city. <laughs> really kind of legendary. Um. So here's the aftermath of all this. They did not quite do this ever again. Yeah. Um, I would hope not. They had promotions, Mm -hmm. but it was never like take as much beer as you want (laughs) ever again. Yeah. Um, They in fact, the next beer night that they did capped the the promotional price to two beers. So Mm -hmm. you could only get two at the discount and then everything after that full price. Yeah. That's a pretty significant change. Right. Mm hmm. Um. And a good one. That was a smart idea. And they never should have. So, okay. So the thing is, I, I get into this here. I do blame the crowd. You have to blame the crowd. They are responsible for themselves. But you also have to hold the stadium accountable for what a bad idea. It was this a bad idea. Um, <clears throat> there, there was already all this bad blood. And yeah. it was going to be a nasty night. There are a lot of people to blame. The yeah. The reporters who like milked this rivalry Mm -hmm. and got everyone more amped up Mm -hmm. the stadium who at the very least lacked forethought about Mm -hmm. how it wouldn't be good to just let people drink endless amounts of super cheap beer yeah they could have put restrictions on what that was before that night the i mean granted they didn't know as many people were gonna show as did show but even then you can guess that like Letting people drink as much super cheap beer as they want is maybe not a good idea. And then, obviously, the fans are accountable for their actions. But, ooh, I just think that's a perfect storm right there. Here's here's what I say about this: when you set prices, you encourage behavior. Mm -hmm. Like the the action of setting a very very low price has a direct you know, correlation with what people you don't willing to make advantage beer of super cheap because you don't want people to drink a lot of it. Exactly. Like it's when you do that, people will drink more. And they were I think that they were implicitly encouraging people to drink six times as much beer as they would normally drink. Yeah. Even if they didn't realize they were doing that. That's the takeaway in the consumer's head is I was already going to buy a beer. Why not get six of them? Yeah. And that's For just the price that I could spend on one. Right. People are going to 
do the mental math and take advantage of that. Yeah. So, um, almost anyone, myself included, if someone was like, you can go to a game mm -hmm. and get a beer for eight bucks, which I would probably normally not do because right. it's so expensive, or yeah. you can go to a game and get six beers for <laughs> eight bucks. Yeah. Even if I didn't think I necessarily want to drink them all myself, I'd probably do it because that's yeah. a hell of a deal and I'll share or yeah. something. But like, of course they're going to do that. You just, when you set a price, you encourage behavior. They mm -hmm. could have they could have seen this coming. <laughs> um, and it's also. I get competitive with myself, so if I did go to a game and I bought six beers, I would, would probably be like, I'm going to drink all of yeah, these. You'd be, you'd be on the the sixth one halfway down walking out the door just like I, did I have it. to finish. I have to finish. <laughs> it's like the time I went to a beer tasting event and they gave everybody like 16 tickets to taste beers yeah, right. and I was like, I'm going to use them all, <laughs> but which might've been okay if they were actually giving two ounce pours like they were supposed to, right. but the glasses were actually marked at four ounces yeah. and they were pouring over four ounces. Right. So I was drinking a lot more than was intended by those tickets. And then by the end of the, the beer night, yeah. Um, no one was even accepting. I was trying to get rid of my tickets because I was like, I need to drink as many as possible. <laughs> and they weren't accepting the tickets anymore because the vendors just wanted to get rid of their beer. Yeah. No one wants to take leftover beer. Let's say it was a bad night for Christy and her self competitions <laughs> that are usually a bad idea. But I understand what I'm saying is I understand. Yeah. You have six beers, you're going to drink them. <laughs> if you if you promote the night heavily just on the beer prices which i mean it's called 10 cent beer night yeah it's not called like <laughs> uh the happy father's day game or some shit it's like 10 cent beer night come and drink cheap beer yeah beer 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 it's like it's like they i don't know it's easy to see how this happened is my point uh and as easy it is to uh, to talk shit on cleveland for continuing to demonstrate how willing they are to destroy their own game and their own property and their own city I still think no one should have made that much beer that affordable in the first place. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Um, I agree. But also uh, it speaks I, it speaks to the nature of Cleveland that you can still buy. Lots of people have 10 cent beer night T-shirts for sale online, mm -hmm. <laughs> like lots of different designs around it. Like Cleveland has not forgotten it and they're still kind of proud of it. There's there's <laughs> a weird pride in areas like Cleveland and Youngstown and probably Detroit of like the most batshit things you could do, like the most self-sabotaging, awful things happening. Yeah. There's like a weird pride of like, yeah, we really fucked it up good. Well, yeah, like I don't know what it is. I, I think part of it is just part of it is just the Midwest <clears throat> and in yeah. specifically like industrial towns that don't take no shit from no one. Yeah, there is. An enduring pride in being willing to go out there, drunk or not, and beat the shit out of some people who besmirch to your dignity. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's, well, it's one of those things like you, you, sometimes you hear people like telling their, their drunk stories, mm -hmm. like this kind of thing. And from the outside, you look at them and you go, you shouldn't be proud of that. Right. You're not this, actually in the right there. Like, like this story makes you look like an asshole. Yeah, like you beat the shit out of someone who was trying to play baseball. Like you're not, <laughs> you're not right. But yeah. there's this like weird drunk bravado element. The thing to is, I feel like it that. even telling the story. 
Yeah. And I bet you feel it even listening to the story. There's something there about. There is a weird pride of like, oh, man. We really we fucked that up. <laughs> no one's done it that bad. I don't know what it is, but I have this odd pride about how fucking stupid Cleveland can be. <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I can't justify it. I certainly wouldn't lead with it, but it's there. And Ten cent beer night. Ten cent beer night. Good job, Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, remember that like 25 years later, they would throw so many bottles on the field that they lose. They they forfeit the game. Yeah. The Browns lose the game. It, and then it's they, not the last time that Cleveland has fucked up. And it won't be. They'll do it again. Oh, yeah. We don't know when. But It'll <laughs> It'll happen, Cleveland. Don't you worry. Anyway, that's Ten Cent Beer Night. Ten Cent Beer Night. Well, not thank a, you for that story. Not a particularly long episode. That's We're actually okay. under an hour. But if you didn't know that we story, we could just talk about some mad bullshit for ten more minutes if you want. <laughs> nah, we don't have to do that. We could go talk <laughs> mad bullshit upstairs. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you and didn't know will. that story, you should know that story, right? Yeah, I yeah I did not know that story. I wish I could remember. Who I was talking to or what I saw that made me think of it. I might have seen a 10 cent beer shirt, a 10 cent beer night shirt online and went, what the fuck is that? You might have, yeah. It's very likely that is what happened. But I don't know why I put it on the list. I know I put it on the list. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Uh, Because that was really fun to learn about. Yesterday you asked me if I knew what 10 cent beer night or what I knew about 10 cent beer night. Yeah. And I said, I know it happened. And I know it fucked shit up, but that's like the all I know. Yeah, <laughs> that is one way of putting it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, that is our episode. Thank you for listening <laughs> to this Sunday afternoon edition of Goose Chase. <laughs> the the horn lives on. The horn. The horn is on. the horn is the up. horn goes strong. Uh, we will be back probably in two weeks. Yeah. With another episode, this one, Christie's episode. Yeah, I'm going to do an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, which will be a little easier now that you have your cool new laptop. Yeah, I am going to shift, I think, to writing on the laptop. Oh, Guys, really? I didn't tell you I got a laptop. Yeah, she's all geeked up. She got a Microsoft Surface, and uh, I'm jealous. Microsoft Surface Book, it's fantastic yeah. because it is a tablet. That you can connect and disconnect to a really cool keyboard. Yeah. And uh, it's touch screen, so I can draw directly on the tablet if I want, which I've been doing some drawings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can also keep it connected and use it like a regular laptop, so I can write my notes mm-hmm. directly on the laptop with a real keyboard. And the main reason I didn't do that before is because all I really had was my phone, and yeah. it's... I can't do that and reference the research at the same time in a very easy way. So so obviously people can look forward to future episodes in which you're going, wait, wait, hold on, wait, wait, hold on. Where's it? Well, I hit the wrong <laughs> button. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yes. As you figure out your new surface. Yes. Oh, man. It's already it's already been happening. Yeah. I've like been trying to do stuff on there and I'm like trying to do something simple. I was trying to take a a screen cap today and it took me 20 minutes to figure out how to take a screen cap because i figured out how to do it but i didn't know where it was going once i took it it and there's like 10 different ways you could take a a screen capture on it but they each go different places it was really insane 
I figured it out. Uh, so <laughs> look forward to that episode coming up next. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, to Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Uh, we will see you for the next hundred episodes right yep. here. Same goose time, same goose place. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, bye. <laughs> bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 